One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories. You know when you hear certain songs that you are listening to during particular times in your life, they become like little ethereal time machines that can take you right back to moments in your life and the stories they contain. That right there is the engine of our little show. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest this week is Dana Harpster. Dana's a journalist and writer who loves to read. She's a communication specialist here at WGCU, and she started teaching journalism classes at Florida Gulf Coast University last year, which she describes as new, scary, and anxiety-provoking. Her bio says, Sometimes I live by myself with two dachshunds, and sometimes others live with me, others being a daughter and or a spouse. I have two daughters and one spouse. The spouse is an electrician. She says she's frightened, surprised, and also sometimes a little delighted by her age. She turned 61 on the day she joined us in studio, and that she loves plants and animals and the natural world and would live outside all the time except for camping. Hey there, Dana. How are you? I'm okay today. Happy birthday. Oh, my God. We should sing happy birthday to Dana. Okay. okay. If you can sing. Okay, fine, crack the not. mic in there. Okay, you too, Eddie. <laughs> okay. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Dana. Happy birthday to you and many more. <laughs> Thank you. You don't know how nice that is, actually. My parents used to call me and sing happy birthday. My mom is gone now, and my dad doesn't quite have it together to sing happy birthday or to call me. So thank you for you that. You got it live, and you'll have it on tape. Thank you. <laughs> so what's your beef with camping? Oh, bugs and no running water. I can't handle that. I like being outside, but oh, no. No camping? No, no. Okay. My dad tried to take us once with a pop-up tent, and my mom and I complained so much we had to go to some terrible hotel, which was worse. So you like to spend time outside as long as you can get to where there aren't bugs and there's a bathroom? Yes. Absolutely. And a shower. Okay. So where did you grow up, and how would you describe the musical background of your childhood? (laughs) I grew up in Huron, Ohio, on the south shore of Lake Erie, a population 7,000 people, and the nod to diversity was the Catholic school. Um, I think I had one friend who was Jewish. I don't think there were any any other stripes or kinds of people hmm. there at all. And what you did was go to the Friday night football game. That was like the big thing, the high school. Hmm. Um, 7,000 people. It was lovely in the summer. Um, lots of water skiing and, and stuff. And, and in the winter, it was really fun because... Back then, the lagoon I lived across the street from froze. Oh, and so it you was could fun. skate? Yes. So, what was going on musically around you? Oh, musically, you did ask. Um, wow, not a whole lot. Uh, Peter and the Wolf on the family stereo, which was a monstrosity. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I, I liked that, but it was vinyl. Of course, a couple of my first records were vinyl. Oddly enough, I think my first 45 was Hot Rod Lincoln. Oh. Do you remember that? <laughs> Isn't that odd? It, it's in there somewhere. It's so odd. What was the Peter and the Wolf part of your parents' record collection? Yes, yeah? definitely was. They had that and some comedy records, I think, but I listened to the Peter and the Wolf. Hmm. Do you remember the first music that you, was yours that you owned? I think it was a Beach Boys album, and it had Surfing USA and In My Room and those songs on it. Did you have a record player in your room? Yes, I did. Yeah? Yep. And it would be the after dinner thing. I would go listen to my 
records. Did you have headphones or did you have to play it through speakers? Speakers. And they were big, too. Were your parents cool with the kind of music that you started to become attracted to? Yeah, they were. It was pretty much like what they would like to. In fact, many, many years later, I took I went with my dad to a Beach Boys concert. And that was just great. Um, you know. Do you remember the first music that you saw live that wouldn't have been like a, you know, a, a choir concert or, you know, some kind of like a band or a musician? Well, the first year I was in Mm, college, I believe, would have been, oh, my goodness, I'm so dating myself, 1980, <laughs> the fall of my, yeah, fall of um, or spring, I don't, fall, was it been, I graduated high school in 1980, so I would have gone, yeah. Um, I think it was a couple of concerts like The Police and Bruce Springsteen way back then, and he would do a three-hour show and dance on the piano and just be amazing. That was really fun. So you saw the police in the early 80s oh, when yeah. they were like when they were running for the because they weren't around for very long, really. Not really. And it, they're lasting, though. That's kind of fun. You know, you uh, still. Yeah, that was I would have been 81, probably. Yeah. Wow. That was the first band that really got my attention. Like really? I, had, I had all the cassettes of all this, the cassettes. police albums. Yes. And um, Roxanne. And, oh, yeah. I just loved all of those albums yep. so much. I had a friend uh, that named his dog Roxanne, <laughs> which was kind of funny because he was a policeman. Um, were there instruments being played around you as a kid? And did you play any? <laughs> I can't believe you asked me this. I played clarinet. I don't know why, but we would be choose a band instrument when we were in, you know, fifth grade maybe. And I have no idea why I ended up playing clarinet, but so did my best friend. And we were constantly battling for first chair band. Were you good enough to almost be or be first chair? Oh, yeah. Oh. We would be battling it out first and second chair. But remember, this is a town of 7,000 people, so right. my school was pretty darn small. <laughs> um, there were only two chairs? <laughs> no, it wasn't quite that. There were maybe five. <laughs> uh, did you stick with it? Like, how long did you play it? I played until, um, I think, freshman year of high school, maybe. I did one year in marching band, and it didn't. I didn't like that. Um, do you still play today? Could you no. play today? I don't think so. No? I, I would love to try, but I don't even know what happened to my clarinet, really. Hmm. That's a shame, but I don't. Brothers or sisters? None. None. So you you didn't have anybody to influence you musically or vice versa? Nope. Hmm. Oddly enough, I did not. I actually had two sisters that died after a couple months of hmm. birth, and that um, was a significant thing. How old were you at that time? I was, uh, well, one was born before me and one after. Gotcha. So I think it, it, you know, it was a significant thing growing up for my parents and me. Do you have any musical memories associated with grandparents? I think polka. Um, my grandmother <laughs> was a first grade teacher in Pittsburgh. And I'm pretty sure she liked polka music and show tunes. Um, but other than that, no, that and Peter and the Wolf. You know? But it's funny how polka just pops into Isn't your head, that right? Odd? Like, who would think it would be that? Uh, yeah. Hmm. There was a lot of that in Pittsburgh at the, when I went to college at the time. That's where I was in 1980 to 84. Gotcha. Well, we'll get to college in a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get to your first song, if you could learn an instrument instantly and be super proficient at it, what would it be? Oh, drums. I've drums. Like, looked into you know joining drum circles, and I'm too so shy like so and... like like hand drums, not like yeah. drum kit drums. No, like like. Congo, bongo, I could see whatever. you doing that. I could too. You should get but you I just, a djembe and go down to the. Do they even do I the have, Fort Myers Drum Circle anymore with the I, Centennial Park I've all changed? Gone, but have been too shy. But I actually have a great drum from Senegal that I got at the um, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival that I would love to use. But I'm just kind do of. Do you shy. ever bang on it at home? Yeah. Yeah. 
but I feel like I need a lesson too. Ah, well, I know. You know what? The guy I know moved. Recommend to, someone. Moved, well, the guy I know moved to Chicago, so I'll look for somebody else to that recommend. That would be so great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, let's do your first song. Okay. Uh, this is uh, the Carpenter song. Yeah. Would you like to tell a story, or would you like to listen to it? I guess I'll kind of tell stories so that I hope that the universality of what I'm doing or what you're doing with this works for people. And maybe hearing my story, you can sort of, I don't know if it's empathize or join me there okay. after I explain it, maybe. We can try it anyway. I'm in my bedroom um, in Huron, Ohio, um, and I have hex sign quilts on my bed because we have apparently Pennsylvania Dutch heritage, which is kind of hillbilly. <laughs> and you know what? So what, right? That's a cool thing now, apparently. Um, so I'm listening to uh, We've Only Just Begun, which honestly is the song that makes me so incredibly sad <laughs> because it's so hopeful and it's so 1950s-ish. And I think that's about when my parents met. And I grew up with a little bit of... Uh, sad fog over my childhood and I think for reasons that we talked about and right so all those hopes and dreams and stuff um but yet outside in the yard is a sign that my parents put up uh my mom was in Kappa Kappa Gamma and my dad in Sigma Chi and they got one of those wood burning signs when they built this house and they named it Kai Key Kai, and Key was for Kappa, and Kai was for Sigma Chi. And so they were such solidly products of fraternities, 1950s, and, and that just good times and mm-hmm. hopefulness. And so anyway, I think that's probably a lot of it. Hmm. And where does this song come in? Um, it just reminds me so much of all of that and puts me back in Was it a room. song you listened to them, to with them? I don't think so. I think no. it just always made me think. This song connects you back to that time. Oh, for sure. Hmm. When was the last time you listened to it? Um, I have it on a USB drive that I put in my car, so maybe. <laughs> you stick a USB drive into your car? Yeah. I like it. With that, songs, yeah. That sounds about my style. Yeah. Well, let's listen to it thinking of that. Um, okay. This is Dana Harpster's first song here on Three Song Stories. Uh, it's The Carpenters' We've Only Just Begun from their album Close to You, released in 1970. And yes, we've just begun. Song slays me. What were you thinking about? Where were you in your head oh, when my, you were listening parents. to that? That's so for my parents. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So much of life ahead. So white lace and promises. They had the whole, you know, big shindig wedding with you know swinging of the sing of the sweetheart song and from my dad's fraternity, all that stuff. And you know, I, I, it may su- I don't know if it surprised people or not, but I'm a pretty upbeat person. But I'm I'm really uh, at my core very sad. Hmm. What are your folks' names? Joe and Mary. Joe Isn't and that Mary. kind of funny? Joseph that, and Mary? Joseph and Mary. Yeah, I've joked about that a few times myself. But, yeah, like got those other parents. Any idea what they thought of the movie Caddyshack? I mean, not Caddyshack, uh, Animal House? Because <laughs> it does kind of tap into what that no, world you but, said they were coming from. Oh, they were. I think they probably thought it was hilarious. Yeah. 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 I did a terrible thing, and I'm, I'm going to confess. So my parents both went to the same college I did, University of Pittsburgh, and that was one of the reasons that I went there. Um, it was a way to get into a big city, you know, and my grandmother still lived in Pittsburgh. So my mom was sweetheart of Phi Gamma Delta in 1958, and that was a competing fraternity my dad's. So I snuck in the first <laughs> couple of months. I snuck into the Phi Gamma Delta house and stole a composite 
that my mom was on. Like a like a cat burglar? I think. <laughs> and I kept it, honestly, I kept it in my room the entire time I was in college. And then right before I left, I went and took it back and rang the doorbell and left it there. Wow. <laughs> There's somebody out there that knows that story. There's somebody out there that knows the it other side of that story. It was missing for four years. There you go. It <laughs> must have been so random. It was. It, it was fun because I had it in my room and it was just so, such a weird. What did your, your friends who came into your room think of well, your kind of wall art. A, a little weird for doing that. <laughs> did but you consider joining a sorority? I did join a sorority, yes. A different and sorority. I did. Okay. So you had the sorority. Yes. <laughs> you had the picture from a different sorority. Oh, a fraternity with my oh, mom. Oh, no, right, 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 right. As right. the sweetheart in the middle. Yes. And she was in a different sorority than I was. And it just was fun to have it. And I took it everywhere. We lived for four years. And I gave it back. Uh, let's go back in time before yes. we go forward in time. Yes. Uh, in high school, uh, where did you fit into the, oh, the scene in high school? Good Lord. Where did I fit? Good Lord. My mom was a teacher in my high school. Oh, and she taught, so that kind of puts you in a box to a certain I'll extent. Say yeah, I had her, too, for two years in class. Wow. So one year it was horrible and one year it was fine. Um, it's just that growing up in high school, you know, like some years you get along with your mom and some you don't. But she was an English teacher, thank goodness. What kind of reputation did she have as a teacher? Oh, my mom was, um, she took up most of the air in the room okay. when you were there. And she took up most of the air in high school, I think. <laughs> and I didn't have a whole lot to breathe then, you know, so that was a little bit strange. Like the high school, like belonged to my mom, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not me. But also, I think I grew up with the high school being like, just everything. I think from the time I was in elementary school, I'd ride the bus to the high school where my mom was after school. Like back then, you could make those kind of. So by ad the time hoc. you got to high school, you knew it like the back of your hand. Oh yeah, and uh, all the teachers, and they had come to our house for cocktail parties. That was kind of fun too to have known that. You know, I was the coat taker at the Christmas party my parents had. Yeah. Were you a um, you know a musical I, kid in high school? You said you tried one year a marching band, but then gave yeah, it up. Did uh, you do any like music or sports, or did you fit into any of those categories? I was know? kind of a floater. Like I was, I think you know we had jocks and freaks. I wanted to be a freak, you know, <laughs> and so I sort of bounced around between you know. What was groups. keeping you from being a freak? The fact My that mom. your mom ruled the school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't be seen across the street smoking cigarettes because, you know, my mom was there. Um, but I, I just also was a, a cheerleader for a couple of years. Oh, yeah? Yeah. For football? Yeah, and basketball. I oh. mean, we, was a small, we were a small school, so it was for everything. That was fun. Do you remember your, uh, your school's fight song? <laughs> Let me think. Uh, something went, here on Tigers, here on Tigers, great. I don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> but obviously I can't sing either, so... Yeah, not really, no. Any uh, high school dance memories? Oh, my God, yes. And it's fun that you asked that. I love it. Um, I have a partner of like 20 years, and maybe someday we'll get married, and maybe we won't. I don't know. It's 61. It just doesn't seem like a huge priority. But if we ever do, I've told him already, you have to dance with me to Stairway to Heaven. Huh. Because that was the longest-ass song <laughs> In in school dances and in middle school, it played at every dance repeatedly, and I could never dance with the boy I wanted. So, I'm, my partner will be the boy I want, and mm. so that will be good. Do you remember your first slow dance? 
It was probably Stairway to Heaven for all I know. But I don't <laughs> think I wanted to do it. not with the guy you wanted Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I was agreeable, but I was just like, Ugh, yeah, no. You dancer in general in life? No. No? I just, no Welcome I to the st- Not Dancing Club because I'm in it too. I stopped drinking <laughs> like 24 years ago, and I think I just can't anymore. I think that just doesn't come with the territory. Was there theater being done at the school? And if so, were you at all involved? Yes. And, oh, only when I was a little kid. And they were looking for some kids for the high school musical. So I was oh. in The King and I. Oh, because your mom had an in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Princess Ying Yawalak. And my only line was, I believe in snow. See, I still remember that one. Hmm. Yeah. So you said you went to college where? Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And so we've already established some basics. But what did you go there to study? I didn't know at first. I mean, but I always wanted to write and do something with communication and writing. And so um, I just took courses in writing. We didn't have a journalism school then. So I really didn't learn that much about journalism, but I I really kind of drifted into something. I mean, I kind of majored in drinking, I think. (laughs) Well, I did. uh, We were on that. We're in the same club (laughs) as that, too. Um, Did did you, you know, did you know what being a journalist was at that age in your life, or were you just interested in words? I was interested in words and yeah. writing and where that could take me. And I knew, I thought that I had some ability there and could make something out of it. But I really, I wanted to go to law school at one point, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But some that <laughs> habits takes, that interfered. Takes a lot, that takes a lot of work. <laughs> uh, a lot of diligence to do yes. that. Um, did you write any, like, poetry or short yeah. stories during that era? Yeah. I mean, for class and for not. I never wrote poetry for class, but I always think I write poetry when I'm at moments of extreme emotion and I can't sort them out. And then it seems easier to put down chunks of thought that maybe don't go together yet. Any, Does that make sense? Abs- oh, absolutely. Okay. No, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, any, any thoughts of ever putting any of that to music? No, but I love that idea. You know, I mean, that's what music, that's what songs are, poems with melodies Yeah, for the most part. I've gone to some things, the uh, Americana Community Music, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, what's his name that sort of got me, uh, I met him at yoga. Um, Darn it. Can't think of his name, but Andy Getch. Andy Getch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to know him a little bit. I need to get him on that this show. You do. He can be one of mine because I have two. Okay, there we go. A little peek into the future, Andy Getch, if you're listening to us right now. I love it. That's perfect. He would be really good for this. So anyway, I got to know him, and I went to a few things that they had, and that was really neat. Yeah, it's a great little venue there, the way they they do it at the church. And, you know, everybody's so attentive. That's what I love about it is, you know, for musicians, that's such a great crowd, those listening room kind of shows. Because it's not like a bar where half the people aren't paying attention. It's like everybody's there to see you. you That's cool. And that's what you need, I think, as a performer, right? Yeah. Um, any musical memories associated with your time in college? You did mention the police <laughs> and those things, but like, you know, yes. what what other ones? The first, um, you're really good at this. Your questions are really good. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised by that. It's just, it just hit me that, because you're bringing things out that I hadn't thought about in a long time. Um, yes. When I first got there, my parents left. Um, I was relieved to be on my own, and I played this Pat Benatar record over and over again. Um, Heartbreaker, love mm-hmm. taker. And then it was Don't you mess around, around with me. Because <laughs> I thought I was pretty tough, you know. I was going to be, you know, whatever. Were you able to be a freak once you got to college? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was in my element finally. Hmm. Uh, any other concerts you can remember from that time? 
Elton John was really fun, but that was in the summer, and I went with some people that I worked with at Cedar Point Amusement Park, which was a trip working there. It was all college students. And we went to see Elton John, and he wore that big duck outfit. Like, <laughs> So you were there for the duck outfit? Yes. Wow. At Blossom Music Center in Cleveland, which was outside amphitheater. And it was this huge, enormous drive up to Glossom. Like, if you had to go to the bathroom, there was nothing on the road, and you were just in trouble. And it was funny to watch because the cars would line up and people would be running out this way and that way. Because <laughs> you know what? You, know, probably... you must have hated that. That's like camping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't do that well, no. <laughs> I don't do that well. Only in an extreme emergency. But uh, now, apparently, the road is full of stuff. So. Mm. You don't have to do that anymore. What was the job that you did at the amusement park? Oh, wow. I took um, reservations in the hotel that was there. And I was. Oh, so you weren't, like, you weren't like a carny. <laughs> no, but I love carny stuff. Are you kidding? That must be my hillbilly roots. But I'm fascinated by all that carny crap. I think it's <laughs> really interesting, you know? It's intriguing. Mm. I, I've been to Gibson 10. Oh, up, uh, yeah. yeah. Up, up by, uh, it's funny because it's right next to. Um, um, Ruskin, Ruskin, which is where the weathermen are. Oh. And then there's the carnies. I always wanted to do a sitcom where there was a bar where the weathermen and the carnies came together at I the end of the day. I love it so much. <laughs> and there was the Giants Cafe or something for the longest time. And I went looking for that and it had shut down. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I would just love For to. listeners who don't understand what we're talking about, Gibson Gibsonton is a small town sort of southwest of Tampa. And it's it's where a lot of you know, f- carnival workers, show people, yeah. show people yeah. uh, have lived historically. There's like almost like a little you know, community of them. And then Ruskin is where the National Weather Service office is for that part of Florida. And those are right next to each other. So anyway. That's fun. And that makes me think of like for a couple of years I did this bikers versus brainers thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I was on the supposed brainer side, but they always beat us. It's just like so funny. Um, uh, so what was your first job out of college? And was it any way aligned with what you have wound up doing? Yeah. Uh, after I did work at the um, amusement park one more summer, but then I started working for my hometown paper. Oh. And uh, it was What three, was your job? I mean, were you a reporter? reporter? Yeah. Three weeklies um, and learned to do everything like we do. I mean, I souped film. I just I wrote columns. I did meetings. I just everything. Because I was the only full-timer. And that was for my hometown. So that was weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was writing about people and their parents that I knew for. And you kind of maybe didn't realize at the time how that local knowledge made your job so much easier than if somebody had just come in. Absolutely. You know? I was about to say 100%. Have you noticed people saying that all the yeah, time? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. And mm. that's very valuable. And I hope people recognize that. I mean – I hope you recognize that in you because you've been in Fort Myers for a long time and you know all this stuff. I was thinking about that before I talked to you that a lot of this, I've been here long enough that I have a, I have some common, you know, memories of this place. Yeah. That to share, you know, kind of with you. I was just telling somebody uh, earlier who I interviewed and he grew up here too. I said, when I was a kid, we moved here when I was eight and I had a lot of friends who were, old timers, you know, whose yeah. parents and grandparents had grown up here. And I was always like, I wish I could be more of an old timer. And right? now I'm totally an old timer. <laughs> <laughs> I think you qualify at this point. But it's my birthday and I'm not going to talk about old times. How long did you do that job then at that paper? Well, I t- until oh, um until I 
my supervisor got a new job, uh, and I became editor of it, and we got married. Oh. Yeah. To the supervisor? Yeah. Oh. 1984. Huh. So maybe it's not as awful as it would be today. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you stayed working with your now husband? Um, for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but then he went on to a bigger paper, and I became editor instead of him, and that was fun, too, but... Yeah, okay. but we are not together anymore. So. Understood. Yeah. Okay, we will get then back into your career arc uh, after your Deal. second song. Okay. This is the, cre- the, cre- the CCR oh, song. This is fun. I think this is so much fun. So as a uh, reporter in New Orleans, I was doing a lot of features. So you wind up moving to New Orleans. Yes, okay. sorry. We'll, 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 we're going to do before before after begin. So Jeez. go ahead. I, did, I bury the lead all the time. And oh, I no, ha- that's okay. We hadn't gotten to that part of your life yet. So right. anyway, go ahead. Well, but you no, know, I do do that. Ask my students that I teach in news editing. They're all, you know, every once in a while, they, I think they have to raise their hand and go, wait, what? back up, you skip something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I after working in Ohio, um, we got jobs in New Orleans at the Times-Picayune and one of the things I did as a copy editor and staff writer at the Times Picayune were features, and I got to ride in a carnival float uh, on Mardi Gras day. And um, normally that's very expensive, and you have to be part of a crew, and you have to do all this other, you know, stuff during the year. But I got to go and do it, and it was so crazy fun. Oh my gosh! You just—they shut down the whole CBD Central Business District, and you go through on these huge, enormous floats and. People are just begging for stuff, and they look like just baby birds (laughs) for as far as you can see, all with their mouths open, you know, like, oh, throw me. Um, And they're so happy when you throw them some. And the coolest thing about it is that you'd look next. There are people of every imaginable color, size, shape right next to each other all the way down the whole CBD. And it's just beautiful. Hmm. You know, that's just such a great community feeling and yeah bad things can sometimes happen but it's it was just a, so much fun and how long had you been there with, before you got to do this was it like you had just gotten there so maybe you didn't realize how cool it was or had you been there for at least a little while i've been there for a little while but yeah. i didn't know how cool it was to ride as yeah. we would have said i'm riding or i'm masking would be if you're going to something but hmm. i didn't know how much fun that would be and new orleans was so much fun oh yeah. i mean it's it it's hard to explain, but there was always a sense of make hay while the sun shines, mm-hmm. always, because um, tomorrow you don't know. And and it's so weird because we always knew that something like Katrina was going to take us out, mm. really. I mean, the, the teams of reporters had written stories about it, had just exactly what was going to happen. But it was like, well, it ain't here now, so, mm. so let's party. Yeah. So where's CCR come in? Oh, that was one of the songs playing as I rolled down. Playing from your float? Oh, yes. Oh, so Very you guys, loudly. So yep. does every float have a sound system on it? So Usually, it's a traveling yes. little musical maker? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Definitely. It was the Born on the Bayou, I think was, am I giving the punchline away? But I, the song. No, no, you're not. Go but ahead. But also there was um, Mountain Mississippi Queen. That was uh-huh. another one that we heard. And it just was so, they were just such New Orleans songs and it was just so fun uh, uh what were you drinking oh i had quit drinking by then i so. was gonna that's why i asked it that way yeah. i wasn't sure but there was one Mardi Gras when i was very pissed <laughs> off oh, excuse me because it was 9 a.m and i had stopped drinking recently and i couldn't have beer at 9 a.m and i was stomping my feet like a fool so you know i have had my moment 
But no, it was so fun. Sober mm. anyway. It was, it's a riot. You don't have to be drunk to enjoy New Orleans, trust me. There's so much there. Mm. And there's great sober people there, too. There's great sober people there, too. We yeah. can quote her on it. You can. Let's listen to this, then. This is uh, song number two, Born on the Bayou by Creedence Clearwater Revival. By Creedence Clearwater Revival from their 1969 album Bayou Country. This is Dana Harpster's second song on this week's episode of Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. I can see it. Oh, I can see it. I can see the whole crowd swaying along. Wonderful. It's a little repetitive now that I notice. But yeah, well, it's perfect for a parade song. Right. <laughs> right, by a couple people, and then down there they hear the same thing. It doesn't matter. Huh. Yeah. Um, how long did you live there, you said? 17, 17 years? 17 years, yeah. yeah. As long now as I've lived in Florida. Hmm. So uh, when was the end of the 17 years? When, oh, did you move huh. straight to Florida after that? I In 2005. So I moved that, so here you, well, three months before Katrina. Oh, so you moved three months before Katrina. What was that like, it was watching that on TV? Horrible. I mean, I we imagine. recognized people. You must have recognized uh, everything. Rooftops. Yeah, it was really awful. And my parents actually were still there separately. My mom was stuck in her car for 24 hours with her dog trying to get out of in the contraflow. And she went the wrong way and ended up in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and had PTSD basically and couldn't leave. So I ended up having to go get her. My dad had a broken leg. So my beau, my partner, drove him out and stayed, you know, he stayed with us for a while. But it was horrendous. My kids, we had just moved and they were, this is kind of the funny part. My kids, we had just moved and they were pissed at me. How old were they at that time? Um... Let's see. What Maddie was going into high school, so and then Annabelle was five years younger. Okay. So and one of the reasons for moving then that was good was that she was going to a different school and we'd just be going to a different school here. But they were not happy that we left New Orleans, and then something wiped out the whole city, which was like not funny, but like worse almost. You know, they're mm-hmm. watching, and yeah, it was it was. But I felt like some something was watching out for me. Hmm. You know? Did you work at the Times Picayune the entire time you were there? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, editing, writing, just uh, different things. One of my favorite things, speaking of um, New Orleans Mardi Gras, was following around the street preachers on one Mardi Gras day. And uh, that was fabulous. Uh, just writing about people's reactions to them and, and their earnestness of doing this. And uh, it was cool. It was a cool story. Any, any favorite stories that you can pluck from your memory? That, that was you know? a really good one that I really liked. Um, there were so many. Um, I worked at Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola on a story where the um, inmates were old. They were keeping people forever. Um, and they were, some of the other inmates were helping, becoming hospice workers and helping them die natural death. So they were um, having baptisms in the whirlpool, pool, wow. the whirlpool tub there and stuff like that. And yeah, I was alone with lifers for murder, but they were old and I just never felt like anything really. I mean, it was, but the warden did dare me to jump up and lay on the lethal injection table. So, you know, I'm a journalist. Do you think I did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess you did. Of course I did. Wow. I wanted to see what they saw on the ceiling hmm. at their last moment. And it was just a basic ceiling, like I'm looking at now. Hmm. Yeah. Did you get to meet any, uh, you know, famous musicians, bands over the years? <laughs> Seems like being in New sure. Orleans at the paper, you must have. Sure. I interviewed a whole bunch of people from Bon Jovi and on to 
uh, people from the birds and, and all kinds of people. But the most remarkable one, I think, was David Cassidy. <laughs> and it was a phoner. But I was so scared. I was like a 12-year-old again because he was my big crush growing up. Did he, you tell him? I did, of course. <laughs> I'm an oversharer. Of course I told him. And uh, and it was just funny because I, I just couldn't really breathe, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like he just knew I was 12 and crushing on him terribly. And it was funny. But then my, a friend and I, he was coming there for a concert. So a friend and I, um, female, and we both had daughters. So we took our daughters to this concert when he did it. And we were just absolutely embarrassing and screaming like little kids. And our kids were so embarrassed. I was going to say, they probably didn't get it. Oh, not at all. It wasn't in sync or whatever, you know. It was yeah. some old dude. Yeah, some old dude. Mom, what the heck's going What's on the matter here? matter with you? <laughs> You're so embarrassing. Huh. And actually, that happened, too, when I told my kids, oh, well, the Rolling Stones are the um, halftime act at the Super Bowl. We have to watch them. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Okay. And Mick Jagger takes off his shirt or, or takes off one of his shirts, and he's got, like, these old man arms and stuff. <laughs> and my kids are like, oh, my God, Mom. Really? <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, so when you left, you came here. Did you mm-hmm. come here uh, because of work, or what? what yeah. Or and, and why here? Did you have any like connection to to Southwest Florida? Yeah, I got a job at the news press. But I mean, but 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 did you have family oh, here? Did you no. follow anybody down? So you were just moving to a whole new area. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, gonna get divorced is a yeah, great yeah. motivator. But also, so is. Um, People getting shot on your street. Yeah. That happened. You know, the snowball stand, which is like a snow cone, you know, that my kids went to. The woman that ran the place got killed, hmm. got shot. And it's just things in the school system was horrible. So I, I decided it was time. I looked around and my boat that's still with me, um, we talked about it. And he'd worked in Florida before. And he thought, well, that's the only other place I could really stand to be. So I started looking in Florida and found this job and it worked out what were your first impressions of fort myers <sighs> coming from new orleans we're not new orleans no we've got our charm it, but it, we're not new orleans <laughs> i hope i don't sound mean but it was not very good yeah i remember my car stalling in, or stopping in a parking lot and i needed a jump and i think if i had gotten out of my car at a parking lot in new orleans and needed to jump i would have had somebody baby what you need what's going on like within Two minutes, honestly. And here I couldn't even make eye contact with people. Hmm. You know, it was it was a learning curve. And I was much more comfortable with uh, race relations there. It was much more comfortable. And I don't, you know, there's not much I can say about that. I understand it. Mm-hmm. I understand why it's not as comfortable. Um, but I miss that. Hmm. I really miss that. What was your job at the news press? Reporter? Yeah. I was copy editor first uh, for the entertainment section. And then I kind of moved into like a hybrid copy editor, staff writer job for features and entertainment. Hmm. And it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And that would have been, I guess, 2005. And the newspaper then, newspaper yeah. industry was a whole lot different in 2005. Oh, wow. They were hiring lots of people at the news press. I mean, Mike Braun. They the, could still fill that great big building oh, that yeah. they used to be in. Oh, for sure. And yeah. it was like they were gunning for being a metro daily at that point and Mike Braun here started the same day I did oh really yeah I knew you worked together I didn't yeah. know you started the same yep. day yep what was Mike day. Braun like in 2005 yeah. about the same as he is today <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that you know hmm um so you were there with the news press for how long 17 years 17 years yeah 
Wow. Yeah. In fact, I saw what a newspaper really can be and look like and how what kind of impact it can have. I mean, I was there when um, they won Pulitzer. I could say they because I wasn't involved on the Pulitzer team, but won a couple Pulitzers, and it was so fun. We had the Rebirth Brass Band come in the newsroom and champagne and people standing on desks, and just it was just so fun. And it was a full newsroom, and just the whole atmosphere was like like the movie Spotlight or, mm-hmm. you know, like that. It was. I'm so grateful I got to be part of this business when it was like that. When do you – can you think back to when it first started feeling like things might be slipping to a different mode? Like the walls are closing in at the news press, maybe about 2007. So not long after that. No. Mm. No, not long at all. Hmm. And it was – it's still very disheartening to me and very sad. And Yeah, and it's not just the news press, just no, local, local papers everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I got laid off. I will admit, like everybody else, I know, but I'm I'm so over that, and to the point of I feel bad that this has happened to the news industry. I, I people just don't know what they should know now. Yeah, and I don't know how we fix that. I mean, I'm trying teaching a class here. Yeah, um, and we're trying to beef up what we do here, but oh, and it, you know, I think it's working. But, the, but well, but it's still. I mean. The news press at its peak probably had 250 oh, people in yeah. its newsroom. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, we've gone from, from you know, four to ten. I know. But that's not 250. They it's used to have not. somebody at every high school football game and oh, every sure. county commission meet, everything. everything. And now nobody's at any of that stuff. Nobody's at anything. And it's just – I just feel I, – I worry about just the future of our everything, our environment, our uh, – what are our elected officials doing that we don't know? I, it's just there's so many fronts that that this is disturbing on. I just don't even know what we do. Any favorite stories from your time at the news press? We're going to move oh. on from the depressing to maybe something fun. <laughs> I told you I'm sad. No, Deeply it's sad okay. Under, under, yeah, no. You know, underneath all of this, I try. I fight it. Um, the Angola was amazing. Um, Mardi Gras was amazing. Uh, covering children's beauty pageants for a week and having the space to report on them right after John Benet Ramsey died. Hmm. Um, we went all over Louisiana to children's beauty pageants. What about and, here, though? The news press. Oh, here. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sure. Um, let me think. News press. I wrote some columns. That was really fun. I enjoyed doing that a whole lot about different things, um, like how your job as a parent really never stops. Oh, even so they when gave you some latitude to just yeah, kind of for a little th- while. think out loud a little bit. Before they laid me off, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, I did a lot of um, stories with people and they're actually, the ones that really kind of stick in my mind are, are ones that I did later for Gulf Shore Life. I did some profiles of people um Artists and things that I thought that was fun. Hmm. I liked. How long were you doing stuff for Gulf Coast Life? Uh, As a freelancer, right after I was laid off for 2013 for a couple years. Yeah. Gulf Shore Life. Yeah. I just say Gulf Coast Life, which is the name of the show that I host. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) It's that you know neural pathway you forged and is still going. Yeah. Oh, so you've been at WGCU how long now? Since since 2013, a few months after. Thank goodness, you know. Due to the kindness and understanding of friends, I was recommended for the job as uh, Expressions magazine editor. Remember when we had that? Mm-hmm. So that um, was your so that was your first role was editing Expressions, yes. which editing was a and, which was a print magazine that mm-hmm. we published monthly um, for a while with for, features for a long while. and yeah, and great I wrote photography, most and, of them, and yeah, um, and we, we would take off on different stories that were on um, PBS or different, and we would kind of put our own twist on them. Hmm. 
That was fun, too. I wrote about the ape uh, sanctuary in Wachula. That yeah, was yeah, really yeah. fun. I did some fun things with that, too. Hmm. So what are the other roles you've had here over the years? Because I know we're not ah. doing that anymore, and now you're no. a communications person. Yes. But I don't know exactly. Describe what you do now and the things you've done. Our roles here are pretty fluid. Yeah. So um, I've written newsletters. I've written uh, stories for publication that you just submit. You know, Weekly, I send things to Florida Weekly and the news press, and they print them uh, about programming that's coming up as a kind of a service. Um, just things that we're doing, you know, make media relations, making connections and putting publications together, like putting news release, that kind of stuff. Were you a public media person when you got here? Were you, you know, did, Not were, did so you? so much. So when, what's your earliest memory of NPR? Miriam Pereira mentioning it. Oh. Um, she was my supervisor at yeah. the news press for a while. I've spent quite a bit of time begging I, for money with Miriam. I think you have. She's been on. <laughs> During yeah. pledge drives. Yeah. Um, she would talk about how she listened to NPR and she would leave it on for her dog, whose then his name then was Kipper. Huh. Yeah. Uh, if she's listening to this, she's just going to flip that. I remember his name, I bet. But, yeah. And she would talk about it. And I'm like, I, I'm missing something. And I started listening. And then it'd been year, it would be years until I donated. But that's like a lot of people. Yeah, think, that's how it works. Huh. Yeah. And so you're teaching now at FGCU as well. How long has that been happening? And what are you teaching? Since uh, last fall, I started teaching um, news editing. And I did one stint in the grammar class. And that was horrible. And I'm sorry to all of you. To remember. <laughs> well, well, I can't let that go by. The what was so horrible about it? I just everything. Um, the hurricane, the Canvas learning management system was went down. The I was a mess because I was supposed to be um, using a new curriculum that was supposed to be like the old one, and it was nothing like it. I mean, it was just everything you can think of going wrong. And I, it just was a epic this was fail. La- this was last semester. Fall. <laughs> the, the Ian semester. Yeah. Oh. It was bad. Okay, I won't make you and talk about it anymore. <laughs> the only thing that I think, I mean, I did really try. I mean, I got together individually with these students because they have to pass this grammar test, and I, I really tried to pull it out, but it was horrible. But anyway, students are fun, but they are scary. Why are they scary? You put that in your bio. I wanted to ask you, so you've well, already teed it up. I'm not going to turn around and look at Eddie, my TA, but Eddie said that first to me, and it made me laugh. And and it's so freaking true. They are scary. I don't know. I think here's my theory. Why you have a theory the, of scariness. I, of okay. Why students are scary to me. I think I'm a writer. Okay. So I'm looking at it from that point of view. I think that we all have an orientation of an age and a some kind of genderish spectrum that we see things through mostly, like a point of view. And my most common point of view is like 19 or 20 female okay so it's that I think it's that post high school like I'm stuck there so I think I'm standing there being judged by my peers (laughs) (laughs) I really think that's it you just need to you need to get over that (laughs) I do do you have a therapist you can recommend (laughs) do you think that's going to wear off if you keep doing it well my legs don't shake anymore they did during the fall. So at least my legs aren't shaking and I've been able to kind of lay off the Xanax. A little, so that's good, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, it's getting better. But I love them too. It's it's just fantastic to be talking to people who get you and want to be in this field and want to do this thing. And I, the only thing that gives me pause is that I've been doing this for what, 38 years. Yeah. So every day 
I think of things that I want to tell them or that's about this. So I end up feeling pretty scatterbrained when I get into class because there's a million things I want to say. Right. So the other day I had to write down on the way to um, way here, which is a 45-minute commute for me, explain why I'm so scatterbrained. But I had to write it on a piece of paper. So I remember to explain why I'm so scatterbrained. You had to write down, explain why I'm yes. so scatterbrained. Uh, Not just the reasons, no. the, 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 the question. Remember to say it. <laughs> yeah. Pathetic. Uh, time for your third song. Okay. Here we go back to the sad sack. Okay. Or not. I mean, it's, it's bittersweet. Um, I met the Edison Parade early on at Fort Myers High School Stadium. Mm-hmm. And the parade is going to come through, and there's an evening show. Um, it's, it was 2008, I believe. There's an evening show. And we're, I'm there for the news press, and I'm covering it, uh, the evening show. And my older daughter is there, and she's a senior and about to graduate from high school. And she and her friends had sneaked in to listen to the sound check for Gavin DeGraw, and they were all, you know, gaga. They thought he was cool and stuff. And they're just, they were all right up in front of the stage and they were just beautiful Hmm. and just such nice young people. And I had this, well, and my uh, younger daughter was with me on the assignment and she's sitting by me and happy and okay to be with her mom. You know, she was like 12. And I had this feeling of just overwhelming how fleeting time is. Oh, like just, it was going to be just two breaths and my older child was going to be away in college. And the younger one wasn't going to want to come with me forever to stuff. And I just had this tremendous epiphany about how short every t- minute really is. Um, yeah. And now I hear that song in Publix and I, it just slays me. Yeah. Yeah. Was this the song that was playing when you had the epiphany? Yes. He yeah. was, this is Gavin DeGraw. Was it a song that you already knew? Or was it song that oh, so you so you were humming along sort of and it crystallized? I think I was pretty much just dumbstruck. Yeah. yeah. I've I've never heard it. I'm gonna listen to it now with you. Well, I don't know it's if it's so much the lyrics, it's just that song like that song that puts moment. Me there. If yeah. you want the lyrics for that, for this feeling, it's that train song, A Hundred Years. Mm-hmm. You've only got a hundred years yeah. to live. That one kills me for the same reason. My daughter's graduating from high school this year. Isn't it? So just, I get it. If she fights with you all summer, you're going to know why. Because oh, that's what mine did. She because, and I have never had a single fight. Well, you know what? <laughs> you might be because I think that's the way they get away from you more easily. Mm, well, uh, knock on we'll wood. We'll I hope see. it doesn't. I hope not, too. Um, all right. This is Chariot by Gavin DeGraw from his 2003 album of the same name. It's Dana Harpster's third and final song here on Three Song Stories. took your headphones off so you didn't have to listen to that song. I didn't feel like crying today. (laughs) Uh, Is that a song that you do listen to if you want to like dip back into some emotionalness? No? No. No. It's it's too sad for me. Yeah. But I like I said I hear it in public and it just makes me turn that off. I want to hurry up. Hmm. Yeah. How old are your daughters? They are now 31 and 26. Wow. Yeah it's a trip. I don't know how it happens. How do you how do you age so fast? I don't know. It's so weird. Did they ever, when they were coming up, bring home music that made you raise an eyebrow? Like, <laughs> what is this? I usually was game to listen to it. But, oh, my 
younger one could do a rap song like you wouldn't believe. It was the fun. We used to make her do it, Aaron, her sister, me. And I forget what ones she would do, but she's such a good mimic, and it was just so funny. Um, but, yeah, there were some really interesting New Orleans bands that they picked. You know, Lil Wayne, they were big on that. And some Bounce, you know, which was a big New Orleans style for a while. The, the Big Timers, uh, got everything, give my mom a name. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, because I'm still fly. I can't believe I'm singing this, but, yeah. Uh, you mentioned your partner, Bo. Oh, well, I called him my beau. No, his name's Jerry. Jerry. Okay. I was yeah. his name was Bo. No. How do you and Jerry's musical tastes align or, or <laughs> misalign? I tell him he, he listens to music. Just let your wrist buy it, actually. Oh. Because oh. his things are just so, he, he likes sad Americana. Hmm. And we both like, you know, lyrical, fun, America, like, a, not fun, Americana stuff. But I he he just thinks that sad songs are the way to be. Huh. And I'm already too sad, so I don't. But we do have many things that we do. We both loved David Crosby. Oh, uh, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, he just, yeah. Yeah, mm. we both loved him. Hmm. Loved him. Uh, almost everything about him. I mean, he made his mistakes, but he was a very generous soul and a good person, I think. My daughter's name is Guinevere. I love it. And, and there's a song. Yes. I know. And we went to uh, what was at the time Coral Sky Amphitheater in West Palm to see when oh. they did a reunion of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Um, in 2005, it would have been because oh Gwen had just been born and we got there late and we had her with us. I had her in a carrier and we're walking up to meet our friends up on the field and that song starts playing. Oh, that's so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was... Have you talked to her about that? I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was only she was still in a car right. seat, so, so she doesn't remember, yeah. but she knows the story. That's absolutely. Beautiful. Well, yeah. and I, I went. Uh, several years before he died, and um, heard him sing with the Lighthouse Band, I think it was. Mm. In in somewhere, it might have even it was a Capitol Theater. I'm not even sure where that is, but he did Ohio, and to me that is yeah. a big deal too. My mom was at Kent State during the really student, yeah, during the um, National Guard. Is that something she talked about? Yeah, hmm. she wasn't on campus that day, but she was the day before and the day after. She was studying uh, for her master's in medieval English, and uh, we had POW bracelets. We had the whole you know thing. But yeah, it was it was something. <laughs> hmm. Do you have a peak concert experience from your life that pops into your mind? No. No. <laughs> uh, oh yes. Oh, I wasn't there thinking it is. hard enough. <laughs> yes, Joe Cocker at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival with my neighbor Rhonda Beninati, who was a, oh, just a wonderful Italian, born in New Orleans woman. And I had coaxed her to go out because she hadn't been out and doing anything. And she went out with me to hear Joe Cocker because she really liked Delta Lady. And uh, we were right in front of him. And he was just the whole, you know, fidgety, like the, the yeah. satire oh, that yeah, Jim, yeah. John Belushi did. Yeah, I could see it. <laughs> oh, my God. it was, But it was so good. He was so good. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. That was it. Is theater something that's part of your routine? Oh, it was growing up. My parents took me to New York to um, – see Broadway shows from on, at Easter break from the oh. time I was maybe eight till oh. almost all the way through high school. So, wow. Yeah. I what, saw some of the old time. What talk. about down here? You ever go to Barbara B sure. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. When I can. Yeah. Other stuff too, like um, theater conspiracy or yeah, yeah, yeah. all that. Yeah. Huh. And friend, you know, I get dragged by some friends, Kathy Gray, et cetera. So. You ever think about doing any theater? Oh. It seems like as soon as I said that, I'm like, nah, it's not Dana's style. I don't know. I got coaxed into doing a 
comedy thing for charity, a stand-up, and it, it was terrifying. And so, no. <laughs> I'm stand-up like at a club? Comedy thing. Like for um, Suavis, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a fundraiser comedy night thing. Yes. Did you have jokes written? Yes. Did you, could, did you remember them? I had notes, <laughs> and yes, I remembered them, but I, I do a deer in the headlights sometimes, and I, it was terrifying. I think I was okay. I mean, the, the comic- Remember any of those jokes? What was your biggest hit? Oh, good God. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I like my one. I like the one about Halloween, and that is like, you know, you get all these candies, and you're ready to go have a good time, and all of them are about two inches long, and they say fun size. Let me tell you what fun size is not two inches in a chocolate bar or anything else, okay? That is not, that's not fun size. But, um, Okay. Yeah, that's my best joke. Yeah. Oh, you! Uh, I can't believe I got you to tell a joke. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. Um, all right. You ready for a speed round? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life that you would be willing to share? Oh, well, DJ. Yeah. DJ. My initial is Dana Joe. Yeah. Dana Joe. Which, your middle name's Joe? Just yes, Joe? Don't laugh. Yes. Not Josephine? No. My dad's name was Joe. Huh. So, is Joe. He's not entirely with us right now. Dana Joe. Dana Joe. Yeah, yeah. Do you do karaoke? No, but I have ideas of what songs I would do, yeah. Like what? I'd like I, I would love to do like Funky Cold Medina or something like really lyrical based. Like uh, a, there's a Kid Rock song too. Though, something like I Can Smell a Pig from a Mile Away. Something like that. <laughs> I love that. I love, and Loser. I love that too. Would you do karaoke if you were at a karaoke place or, you know, are you just too shy? If I got trapped at a karaoke place and I was among friends, I probably would do it. Okay. But- like I said, I don't drink anymore, so I don't know. I can't dance, and I might not be able to do karaoke. Understood. <laughs> um, if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter to the arena to? <laughs> okay, I got this one. Um, the same song that occurred to me after I found out I had breast cancer, which I'm fine now, thank God, but was Nazareth, Hair of the Dog. Now you're messing with them. Yeah. What would and you, that was my fight song. For, what would your wrestler name be? Oh, wow. B.C. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's just what comes to the top of my head. When was the last time you bought music that had physical form, like a CD or a oh, record man. or something? Wow, I don't even remember. A long time. My Jerry buys them from uh, different small me- musical outlets. Like so. going to ACMA maybe and you pick up a disc yeah, or that something kinda, like that. That probably was something yeah. actually, an ACMA thing. I, I probably was one of those. So when you're in the car or whatever, you if you listen to music, it's just all streaming? No, I listen to radio too. Uh-huh. Um, like I FM radio? Yeah. Wow. I don't have Sirius or anything. I wow. thought about doing it, but but I just, you know, jump around here what I like. Sometimes. You ever discovered uh, Bob, I mean, not Bob, uh, the Tagger, the Tagger FM? Yes, I 93. like that. 93.3, the Tagger? I like that a yeah. lot. You I must think live great. somewhere near downtown Fort Myers. Well, yeah, because once you get too far away. <laughs> it's a low power station. It yeah, only broadcasts like it. 10 miles. Annoying, yes. Isn't I it have. great, though? I like it, it a lot. It is so random. I like it I l- so much. If, it's, it's, if I'm going to listen to music on FM radio, yep. it is the Tagger. It's very good. I like it a lot. I it's actually Tiger because it's from Dunbar High School, but the way the guy says it is the Tagger. You <laughs> I love the connection, you know, to the community and all that with it. Yeah, it's great. If you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a really hard one. Um, maybe Bob Marley, Three Little Birds. Hmm. It makes me happy. Hmm. Uh, maybe Going Up the Country by Kitty 
some Kitty Davis and Lewis, Kitty, oh, Kitty Daisy and Lewis. It's a great. It's an old canned heat song, I think, going up the country. Hmm. But the way they do it is great. It makes me real happy too. What activities or pursuits make you lose track of time the most? Writing. Writing. If I'm doing a good job and I'm in the zone, yeah, I'm like I'm out for. Do you count. still write longhand at all, or no. are you all keyboard? Keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite book of all time. Oh my! You mentioned reading in your bio, so I had yeah, to hit it. Yeah, that's hard. Um, or what popped into your head first when I said that? Because I know how weirdly hard that enough, is. Um, "Backlash" by Susan Faludi. Maybe that just was really instrumental at a time in my life. I'm certainly a feminist and not afraid to say so. Um, but I think my favorite book is whatever I'm reading right now. What honestly. are you reading right now? Um, Mary Roach, uh, "The Art of Memoir." Hmm. It's not new, but yeah. Do you read more than one book at once? Not usually, no. Yeah, I don't. I can't either. I know no. some people who do that, and I don't like. I, don't I have ADD that. to start with, and that just baits me. You know, I'm like, what? No. Mm-mm. Song you wish you could hear again for the first time? Oh wow! I just don't have an answer to that. I don't know. That's okay. You don't it, have to uh, have an answer. Maybe "Hang On, Sloopy." <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head, but that's a fun, happy song too. Yeah. See, that's why I like this happy songs, and I accuse my partner of being, you know, listening to wrist-slitting music. Um, any songs you'll avoid listening to besides your song yes. number three? <laughs> yes, "Chariot." Um, yeah. Anything with just really misogynistic, you know, female bashing stuff. I I, I don't get into. I won't. Hmm. I won't listen to. If you could broadcast a song into the head of every human in one collective global musical moment, what song would you provide? Oh, my goodness. I'd rather just take out a lot of things people have heard. <laughs> but, oh, man. I don't, it's not a song. I don't know. The only thing that came to me was I saw the Blue Man Group in New York once, and one of the lines they kept saying, and not really singing, but was, let's see, if you're not – Mad you're not paying attention. Hmm. Just have that phrase in every language around the globe yeah. pop into people's brains. Or, you know, or imagine peace. I yeah. mean, the whole song. That would be good for me. That's probably it. That's probably it. Imagine. Yeah. Hmm. Um, album you would choose if you could only ever have that one album again? Ooh. Um, Carol King Tapestry. It's a good answer. I think that's it. Do you have a band that's not maybe, I don't want to say your favorite band, but a band that stuck with you the most throughout your life or musician? I'm haunted by um, REO Speedwagon for some reason. Huh. I'm ha- every <laughs> bad memory I have is associated with REO Speedwagon. And I don't want to elaborate, but that's, <laughs> that's it right there. Okay. Um, any musicians or bands that have come into your uh, perspective more recently that you would want to give a shout out to, or are you pretty much just stuck with what you have always listened to? I hate to say I'm pretty much stuck, although um, you're not alone there. So yeah, I've I've been enjoying Lizzo a lot hmm. and Dua Lipa and uh, who else? It's just some others that I don't know well enough. And I, I if I say them, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, and I don't. But but I like Lizzo. I watched her show. Um, about the big girls, and I thought that was cool. I like uh, what she stands for. Hmm. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? I think they would be, probably think exactly what I think, you damn underachiever. Hmm. But, you know, but you're cool, and I think I would like you. 
Any, so. any advice you'd like to throw back at your 14-year-old self? Achieve more. <laughs> try <laughs> no, harder. Right. <laughs> Just don't give up so easily. I don't know. I think it might be um, more uh, reassuring. Like, you're good. You're okay. And you're talented. And you're going to go somewhere. And I'm not unhappy with where I am at all. I'm very happy to be, you know, at WGCU and teaching students and, you know, in my life with my kids and my partner and my dogs. I'm, but I am deeply sad under it all. Mm. I just i am so distressed about the way the world is right now. Mm. Well, it's time for you to recommend your three people, one okay. of which we've already peeked at. We did. Andy Getch, if you're listening, yay, you're up. Andy Getch, what does he do? I just know him through, like, his, you know, being around the HCMA. Really, he put he did his whole house in solar. I know that. That was okay. cool. All right. And well, I, we don't I, need to know what you do, I don't Andy. really know. No, that's how I know him is music, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to recommend Melanie Payne, my former colleague from the News Press, who's a very good friend. Where and is she? Where is she now? She's in Tampa, and she's um, managing their the TV station ABC's investigative unit. Oh, good for that. Good for her. Okay. Yeah. yeah though, I would love to have her on. I never Me really. I only too. met her like I think once or twice briefly through work, but I think she would be great. Cool. She'll be excellent. And my friend Lori Brownstone, who's a comic who spends time in Naples and also New York, Queens, and. She's funny and grew up in Canada, and so she might have a different perspective. On I like Canadian people, and there we haven't go. had a Winnipeg. Uh, we haven't had a comic on this show yet. So yeah, sounds she, great. She should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dana, you did it. Oh my God. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with? No, thank you for anyone who had the fortitude to listen to all of this. <laughs> thank you so much. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's Parting Tune, we're going back two years to episode number 166, guest Mary Walsh. Mary's an assistant professor in the Department of Communication and Philosophy at Florida Gulf Coast University. Her second song took her back to when she was leaving New York City to pursue her PhD at Penn State. She'd just gotten her master's degree in New York City. She said once she got to Penn State, she was once again feeling intimidated and had some imposter syndrome. And while heading back home for the holidays for the first time in her little white Volkswagen Fox to her tiny hometown, where most of her friends had stayed and started families, she found herself driving through Bald Eagle State Park in a blizzard and had to stop about halfway home because the snow was coming down too hard. So as I get to the halfway point, my hometown comes on the radio and I'm crying until I'm just about hyperventilating and have to pull off to the side of the road. And I just thought like some of his music is empowering and like, let's get the hell out of here and then other times it's sad and reflective and I just felt that kind of tension that I was at this precipice of do I go back do I go forward is this who I'm meant to be and 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 what do I do at this moment and so it was that that spooky moment when you feel like a stranger is narrating your life when you have the radio on so that moment you know just made me think about the choices and the path that I was on and which way do I go. And so sometimes when you can't make a decision, circumstances just force you to push forward.
Keep listening.